On this episode, you'll hear about wellness, fitness, Frenchism, and lifestyle, a Trey fucking chic gangster podcast. Hosted by fitness and wellness French hedonism guru and creator of The Method, The Body, yours truly, Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from Monte Carlo, Monaco. On this show, you'll find a mix of audio entertainment, including listener and audience questions answered about health, wellness, lifestyle, family, and relationships, and my French holistic tips to be healthy, have your best body, and transform both your body and your mindset into the happiest ever, as well as living la belle vie lifestyle like a chic French gangster. I'm Ingrid Delamar Kenny. I'm the CEO and founder of The Method. She's also my wife and she's the smartest woman I've ever met. First of all, she's my mom and she's really cool. She's all that and she's a superhero. Never mind CEO, she's gangster. This is the Pardon My French podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Pardon My French. I am your host Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from very rainy Monaco. I know, that's unusual, right? I am sorry that I took such a long break from podcasting. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've lost my voice for quite a bit of time. Um, and then I just got busy with life. Um, not an excuse. I know that many of you are waiting for this to come back weekly. And I promise I will work on being more consistent. Um, I admitted the first season of Pardon My French when I launched over a year ago. Yes, our anniversary came up about two months ago. Um, Pardon My French has existed for over a year now um, and I was a lot more consistent, but I got busy. Um, thanks to all of you. Simply Gangster Chic is really becoming a global brand and it is um, pretty much all over the world at this point. We have many, many authorized retailers all over the United States. You can head to the website under retailers and see who is carrying Simply Inulin. Um, and you know, and this keeps me busy on the other side of the world, obviously, just making sure that all of this happens. We're opening a, a, a flagship um, in New York City very, very soon. This is something that I did not expect and kind of fell on my laps. And when I was given the option of opening in three main cities in different countries, I was given the choice uh, between two other countries and New York. And I picked New York, United States, for two reasons. My American tribe is so big. Um, next to Canada, I think the two are, you know, very close, but I mean, I'm talking about numbers, but of course, most of my sales, ironically, um, are in the United States. And then, of course, we have an amazing following in the UK, um, the Arab Emirates, a little bit all over the world, but the United States, a huge country, a huge following, um, and very loyal customers. Uh, and then a huge shout out also to Canadians. North, North America is pretty amazing for that. Canadians who are, you know, right 
after the United States. So New York City is my city. You know, my kids were born there. I lived there my whole adult life. Everyone thought I would open the flagship in Miami. But truth be told, I have never lived a day of my adult life in Miami. You know, of course, yeah, maybe I was an adult going to college there. Um, but when I'm talking adult life, I'm talking about, you know, having a real job and, you know, being a mother. I became a mother at the age of 20. I already lived in New York. Dylan was born in New York. So, you know, I feel like a New Yorker more than anything. And so it was only right and serendipitous to open the flagship in New York. And so um, our authorized retailers in New York will keep on carrying Simply Inulin and our other products if they want to. The flagship is more of um, an experience and that's what it's going to be. So I'm not going to give you more details. We're working on it. Um, it's backed by an incredible investor. Um, who has a vision and who lets me, you know, be the creative mind behind all of it. Um, but someone who truly, truly believes in me and approached me um, saying that what I do and my brand has changed their life. I'm not going to give out uh, whether it's a man or a woman and that they had a vision for it and why not a flagship. And as soon as the word flagship came up, I literally got the most amazing vision for, you know, something like a concept kind of simply gangster chic um, store uh, and perhaps a small exercise studio um, where there will be like virtual workouts with, you know, the that virtual um, 3D mask that you can put on. So it's going to be incredible, but you're going to have to give us a few months for more on that. The only reason why I'm bringing it up is to pretty much apologize to you all for having not been as um, consistent with the podcast. I promise to be more consistent from that one. So now that I hope my apologies were accepted, I realize this is the second episode where I'm profusely apologizing for having irregular episodes. Um, but now that this is out of the way, let's dive into the core of the subject. So this podcast today is about 10 myths, health and diet myths um, that Americans, North Americans, and sometimes the rest of the world, um, you know, the Brits are guilty of this very often, Australians are guilty of this very often. Um, so 10 myths when it comes to health, wellness, and diet that the French make fun of and may very well be right about. Now, if you're going to be here and get offended, I have a thing or two to say to you. And if you're following me on Instagram, you already, already know this about me. I don't make a business out of offending people. I don't get a kick out of it. I'm just being me. And part of me is American, part of me is French, um, but 100% of me is just being me and being true. It seems like society in America um, has literally made it a trend and, and exercised this muscle of being offended. So it's, it becomes such a trend to be offended. Um, there are words that are triggers nowadays. And, you know, the side of me that's French is looking at it like this is so ridiculous. This is just a word. 
you know, I didn't mean to offend you. You choose to be offended. So just get a fuck out of my space. Don't listen to me. Don't consume my content. Very often, actually, I shouldn't say very often. It's 0.01% of my audience. Um, I'll have one message saying, I used to like you, but then you send this and you're so offensive. And I'm like, fuck you. I do whatever I want. If you're offended, get the fuck out. That's the beauty of freedom of speech. Um, So when I am saying French people are making fun of this 10 American myths, there's actually nothing offensive about that. It's, you know, cultural differences. And as much as I feel like Americans should, French, sorry, should learn open-mindedness from from Americans, um, they should learn social skills because Americans are a lot more sociable than the French. I feel like Americans have a lot to learn from the French when it comes to living a better life, you know, being healthy, but without overthinking it too much and definitely being thin. I mean, I say this on so many of my podcast episodes. America is one of the countries that, that, that has the highest obesity rate, whereas France doesn't. And if people are obese, when you come to France, very often it's tourism. They're tourists. Um, So, you know, please don't just sit here and listen so you can be offended. If you're one of those, you know, sheeps following the trend of being offended at pretty much anything, get the fuck out. Okay, so for everybody else that's left here, the 10 myths. Um, when I was getting ready for this episode, and I do my homework a little bit, but it's not scripted at all. I really go with the flow. I don't even have a list of 10 right under my eyes here. Um, so obviously, my producer is going to edit this if I start, you know, hesitating or if I just have a blank. Um, but that's how raw it is. The first thing I did was ask Shil, if you know anything about my husband, you know that he's very French. Um, in the sense that he was born and raised to a French family. He grew up in Miami and Toronto, but he's also British. Um, But most of his education and culture is French, although he's also very Americanized like I am. Um, And I think that's that's something that's a huge connection for us. We we have that in common. I couldn't be with a truly French man um, and I couldn't be with a truly American man, even though I was before. Um, and I think it's exactly the same for him. He couldn't be with a truly French woman. And he has been. He told me, he said, like, the cultural differences are difficult. Um, so I asked him, I said, what is a health, wellness or diet myth um, that Americans believe in that the French make fun of? And the first thing he said was that electrical muscle stimulation thing and you didn't know what it was called because you know they wear these suits um that sends muscles shocks to the you know to the muscles shocks the muscle the muscle into building abs and he was like that's complete bullshit in france we don't rely on things like that that's completely artificial you know you want muscles you go walk you go exercise you actually you know um you actually stay true to the natural course you know of muscle response and and body response natural is something that's very French and sometimes it's too French I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday and she married a French man and Lindsay if you're listening I'm talking about you and she was saying that very often 
you know, she was intimidated by French women because they're not always very capped, meaning they don't do their nails and hair as much as Americans do. And that is so true. And that's something that I struggled with when I arrived in France because I had to get my nails done every week or every two weeks. You know, my hair had to be perfect all the time. And that's not very French. Um, and so, so we were having this conversation and uh, it is true that French women pride themselves on being all natural and sometimes too natural, I think. And that's, that's the aspect where I'm much more American as far as, you know, uh, being polished. Um, but when it comes to health and wellness, I tend to agree with them. Um, on top of it, EMS training um, is dangerous and it's been proven to be dangerous uh, by some Israeli doctors who researched it um, and and came up with the explanation of why it's dangerous and I absolutely agree with that. So electrical stimulation induces muscle damage um, that is characterized by histological uh, alterations of muscle fibers and connective tissues. It increases in circulating creatine kinase activity and decreases in muscle strength and development of delayed onset muscle soreness. So for those of you that go to uh, do EMS because um, you are told that it will emphasize your results, yes, it will. It does stimulate um, your kinase and creatine kinase uh, activity. Um, and it does release enzymes a lot faster than you would at the gym. But at the end of the day, what the researchers in Israel found out, and now more and more studies are coming out following in their footsteps, and we know that Israelis, when it comes to medicine, are so in advance. What they found out is that it causes severe damage to the muscles and the kidneys. So um, in countries like France, if you're doing EMS, you would do it uh, under the supervision of a doctor, not a fit, not a fitness instructor. I would never, ever recommend EMS to anyone. You want muscle muscles? Go to the fucking gym. Go to bar. Go do something that is going to be the mainstream way of exercising. But relying on a machine is something that um, French people will make fun of. That's so unnatural. They'll say it's so, so, so American. Um, and they're right in that sense. It's it's something that, you know, people wouldn't think of here. Of course, it exists here. Um, more and more of the American trends are, you know, crossing over, even fast food. I've mentioned that before, but it is absolutely not the norm. Um, so remember that the, the French are not wrong in their way of looking at health, wellness, fitness in a natural way, um, especially when it comes to EMS. Science really aligns with that mentality because a failure to properly assess the maximum electrical exposure can cause severe damage to the muscles and the kidneys. So although very often the EMS training sessions are brief, they're quite intense. And if you're doing it a lot, and not under medical supervision, um, you may be causing a lot of damage to the point that your muscles will no longer respond to regular activity. And that is something you do not want to do and you don't want to fuck with your kidneys. So um, the French are right. Don't rely on 
magical machines and I'm gonna get back to the word magical so they don't believe that they don't believe much in you know magical teas and magical potions and even in Yulin um if it wasn't something that's prescribed by doctors here the French wouldn't believe in it and now they're catching on and they love Inulin we we have more and more simply Inulin um customers in France um but they don't buy into magic they buy into you know you want to lose weight eat real food eat fatty acids eat uh, raw fermented cheese for probiotics eat your prebiotics eat your prebiotics not necessarily take your prebiotics they don't uh, have counters full of vitamins we don't have those huge gnc like stores here um, mainly all of these stores here, the vitamin shops, if there are any, and they're not at every corner or every mall, like in the United States, they're usually, um, they're usually, uh, for people that are into bodybuilding or, you know, uh, extreme, uh, professional athleticism. Um, but regular people like you and me, um, even though I'm a pro, but regular people, even pros, even fitness instructors or, you know, um, health and fitness professionals like me do not rely on vitamins. I don't take any vitamins. I get my vitamins from my food unless I really have like something. Like at some point uh, I had um, what you would call a burnout. And so I was lacking a few things and my doctor said, well, you need, you, you need, we need to amp up, you know, your intake. So you're going to get that from food and give me a list of food to amp up my intake of whatever I was lacking in. And, you know, maybe a few vitamins and I took it for about 20 days and then I stopped. I can't even get into the, the habit of taking vitamins. It is not a mentality here. Popping stuff into your body that you could really as well get from food is not the norm here. So that goes into the myth of, you know, the magical stuff. Um, but going back to EMS, I tend to, to really think that the French are onto something when they want to keep, you know, natural body and muscle response um, going from real stuff. So as far as, you know, you want abs, you know, do abdominal exercises, don't go plug yourself onto a machine, don't, you know, don't believe in miracles, uh, you want to lose weight, don't rely on these teas that, you know, literally make you shit your brains out, um, you know, because one of the Kardashians promised that she lost all that weight with it. Um, the French really don't buy into that. And actually, this industries here do not do well at all. Yet, the majority of the population here is healthy, healthy, skinny looking. So that should say something. The other myth, and I think that's going to be the majority of the messes that I am, the mess that I'm going to be talking about is the diet mentality. So, for example, main diets today are going to say the idea is to stay fuller for longer or to find a diet that's a lifestyle that allows you to feel like you're eating more. That is not the French mentality and that is a mentality that the French make fun of. Um, the French never look at food in quantity they don't 
like I want to say made up food, like fake food, um, so they can have more of it rather than the real thing. So a French person is more likely to eat brie cheese, even though it's really high in fat, and a lot less likely to eat a made up food. So like, for example, what's on the market today, which are like those, you know, brownies, um, brownie, you know, protein bars, diet protein bars, um, they're not going to gravitate to that. And what's great about that is the reason why they won't gravitate to that kind of bar is because it's not chic. There's not a French woman, um, or even a man for that matter, that you will see eating that unless um, they've traveled to the U.S. and they, they, they like the, the they like the culture. A lot of people in France are today so inspired by the French culture. Uh, you know, they watch Hollywood movies. and But other than that, the typical French person would not be caught dead with a protein bar, a diet bar uh, wrapper. They would much rather eat a real artisan, you know, croquant cookie or something like that. And that mentality makes for not having this idea of having diet food where you feel more entitled to eating rather than real food where you know you have to portion because you're eating real food and so it's higher in you know in fat and carbohydrates um so knowing that a french woman um sees herself as a beautiful woman despite her physical flaws unlike um other culture, women in other cultures, um, she feels she's worth the effort of eating well and taking care of herself. She deserves to be slim and healthy, and she deserves that a whole lot more than she deserves a portion of pie. So um, this mentality, this snobbery, um, is actually what's saving the day for French women. They don't feel like they deserve punishment. They don't feel like they deserve to be put on a program or, you know, eat according to a lifestyle. Today, a lot of uh, diets don't like to be called diets anymore because the word diet has been demonized. I demonize it all the time. I say diet has the word die in it because I'd rather die than diet. That's the French in me. You know, when I sit at the table, I want to see real food. I want to eat real cheese. I don't want to eat fake food. I gave in to the Gigi Cracker craze at some point, but it still didn't make up um, every one of my meals. It made up maybe one of my meals where I was like, okay, I've been eating way too much bread. And at the age of 36, 37, my hormones kicked in and, um, and I couldn't eat bread like I was before for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So... I substituted for Gigi crackers maybe one meal out of the day. And then we, I realized that Gigi crackers made me terribly sick and they gave me brain fog. I spoke about that um, in a previous episode. I think I think episode 29, I spoke about that last year. Um, but my mentality as a French uh, bread, you know, woman and before being a woman, a child was that, you know, you'd rather die rather than diet. And that's French snobbism. It's it's a snobbism. Um, 
it's it's a way of looking at things like you know the the Chanel vanity. Um, it's an attitude. Like I wouldn't be caught dead with a diet powder, you know. Simply and your is chic. That's why I always say it's chic fiber because it has nothing to do with dieting. As a matter of fact, losing weight is a byproduct of simply inulin. But um, the French have been consuming inulin for a long time. There are many doctors that know about it, and then the newer doctors don't know about it as much because they want to sell you medication now. You know, the industry, the medical industry is the same as the United States today. Uh, they want to, you know, they want to prescribe. But um, inulin was never a diet product, and that's why I always call it chic. Um, because my snobism as a French woman would never allow me to reach for a diet product. It's just, you know, something that we think is not chic and is for a class of people that's suffering from obesity, which in France we see as an illness. We don't see it as a physical flaw. We don't see it as you know, a woman who's not beautiful, we see it as a woman who, a woman who needs to lose weight in France is a woman who needs to go see a doctor um, and be advised on, you know, her high cholesterol or, you know, possibly uh, diabetes or, you know, it, it's not seen and perceived the same way. So one myth that the French make fun of is that people in the United States and everywhere else. I mean, you know, uh, Britain is very much guilty of this. There are so many countries today. Um, but in France, being on a diet is actually the same as saying, I am on a medical treatment. Um, so that's a myth they make fun of or they find pathetic. Um, and, and they feel badly for Americans that they have to put themselves through something called diet. Um, it, it's, you know, the, the substitution of food is really something that is so not the norm in France. As a matter of fact, and I've said this before, whether you're going into a health store here or you're going to the supermarket, and let's take the supermarket as a wider, bigger example, you will find one tiny little aisle for diet products. So that's called dietetics, pro dietetic product. Uh, or healthy products, um, and they're not even um, they're not even recognized as healthy. They recognized as diet products, uh, ou produits de minceur, which is weight loss products. Those aisles in supermarkets here are very tiny, and for a really long time, you didn't go into that aisle without looking in over your shoulder to make sure no one you knew looked at you and knew you went into that aisle to buy a diet product. So it's kind of like, there's a shame kind of, kind of effect behind it. And I don't see it as a negative thing. I see it more as a French person prides herself or himself in being healthy. And so, you know, instead of going to buy a processed diet food, um, as much as you will say it's organic, it's all natural and all that bullshit that they sell you in their green, lovely packages, which I call green leaf packages, um, a French person will look at healthy rather in the vegetable department or, you know, making food from scratch. And I love that aspect. And so the diet myth um, that it's a lifestyle and it's a trend is something that's so frowned upon in France. 
Um, and it is the big distinction between diet and health. You know, it's it's not the same thing. A health shop doesn't sell diet food. So you might find simply inulin, but you will never find an equivalent of slim fast or, you know, any kind of like diet protein powder or anything like that. Um, there's also the aspect of the portions. The French frown upon and make fun of um, the huge portions uh, Americans or Australians or Brits uh, will eat under the pretense that what they're eating is low carb or low fat. Uh, so if you're making, I, I like that example because to me it's crazy to use palmini pasta. I mean, it's hearts of palms. Hearts of palms are a very distinct taste. And um, some people will even soak it um, in coconut milk to take away that dynastic taste to turn them into something that could pass off as pasta a french person will literally throw up in their mouth i throw up in my mouth just thinking about palmini pasta i mean if i want fucking hearts of palms i'm gonna eat them in my fucking salad but i'm not gonna turn it into a pasta and it's so sad to the french that you know nations uh and dietitians and nutritionists and uh, you know holistic chefs and will try to fool themselves and fool their audience and their clients into believing they're actually eating a real food yeah you're eating a heart of palm but at the end of the day you're eating a transvestite of a real recipe from a culture so um you know in 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 french mentality you're insulting the italians uh, i would totally agree with that totally agree with that um so that being looked at it like that the snobism the french snobism about it all is actually what might be saving the day for the french and what's probably keeping them slimmer than nations like the united states where people are you know struggling with weight gain or weight loss um, and probably shambling themselves eating fake food. And what I'm saying by fake food is not necessarily processed food because a lot of people now that are in, you know, into diet and whatever are cooking this stuff at home, buying all of this substitutes. So it's palmini for pasta or it's, um, you know, PB2 for peanut butter or it's uh, a certain protein powder for flour. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. And, you know, I use my vegan protein powder to make um, my cookies, for example, if I don't want to use flour because Dylan cannot have gluten. So we got into the habit of cooking with less gluten, but it's all made from scratch. And we make sure that this protein powder that we use, so it's in this case, it's the Simply Protein Fibre, um, is is two ingredients, simply inulin and faba bean. But at the end of the day, if I want a real fucking cookie, I'm also going to have it. And if I'm on vacation, I am not going to take a whole suitcase of foods that are diet foods that I won't find there. Wherever I'm going to go, I'm going to eat what's there. I'm not going to pack fucking anything except for my inulin vials. Um... And if I run out of my inulin vials, I'll have a fucking artichoke. It's fine. 
So it, it it's really this mentality that the French frown upon or make fun of. Um, the bottom line is also about the portions. So the, the French are mesmerized by Americans and American portions and even UK portions. Um, and they truly, truly believe that the reason why those portions are so big is that an American person will pride themselves on eating a piece of chicken. Like, wow, this is so healthy. I'm actually not having KFC. I'm having grilled chicken, so I'm going to have a lot of it. Um, or diets that call vegetables free food, so you can have as much as you want. This unchic gluttony is so frowned upon by the French. Looking at something like it's free food, like what the fuck does free mean? And is anything really truly free in life except for love? I mean, what does that mean? And so the fact that something is a free food or a fat-free food or is, uh, you know, less calories or low carb, the fact that you could you could eat more is something that's frowned upon and, and made fun of. And at the end of the day, again, they're right. Because they seem to be eating better food, like more delicious food, richer food. You know, like the French are going to eat uh, gruyere and they're going to eat like, you know, um, creme de champignon, which is like this really creamy sauce with mushrooms on the, on their chicken. Whereas an American person is going to be at the same table and is going to order, um, uh, I want to say like, let's say uh, a Dover sole and steam the vegetables, but they'll probably end up eating more because what they're eating is considered healthy. And at the end of the day, the deficit that of, of, of good fats that the American at the table will have um, amputated themselves of uh, trying to eat healthy and looking at the French like, oh my God, dude, are you going to eat that Roblochon cheese right now? Um, that deficit is actually going to be what the problem is. And I'm going to explain the scientific aspect of that, even though I've explained it so, so many times. The French frown upon, upon um, these huge salad bowls that Americans have at lunch, and rightfully so, because they compare their food experience uh, to that of Americans or British families, for example, uh, their meals, British family, take a British family, their meals uh, have shrunk from two hours to 15 minutes in the past few years. And I believe that's very much the same for Americans. Americans will call a really long meal a half an hour to 45 minutes. Um, and that speeding up of things, you know, living a fast lifestyle um, is definitely something that causes people to take bigger bites and faster bites where the French are taking smaller mouthful and resting their cutlery between bites and discussing the food. Um, and very often the French at the table will actually discuss the food because it's worthy of discussion. Um, it, it's, it's really incredible. The relationship with food is so different of an American will discuss the food uh, and say, yeah, I ate my protein and my fiber and I had, you know, two ounces of, I don't know, I don't even know what fucking ounces are because if I wanted to be a fucking accountant, I would be. So, um, you know, if I wanted to add shit up, I'd be an accountant. Um, 
but yeah, French people don't talk about, we don't know how many grams of anything we eat. We don't know how many ounces of anything we eat. We, we don't even think about it. Uh, you know, in every village in France, for example, you will find a market with local sausage, um, chèvre, cheese, figs, fennel in the appropriate season, a truffle dug from a wood down the lane. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a choice that's actually available to everybody, not just to the people who have money. Um, it's available everywhere for every day. So this kind of like a national pride in the nation's pro produce, um, which doesn't exist anymore in the United States. Like people today pride themselves in making something almost as delicious as a fast food or almost as delicious as, you know, a comfort food that they love, but lower calorie. So that's their pride. You know, someone will say, oh, my God, I made this lasagna. Whereas regular lasagna is this many calories and my lasagna is this much because I didn't really make real lasagna. But it tastes like it. The French will not find pride in that at all. The French will find pride in the fact that they have found the best of the best when they went to the Italian market or, you know, and and, and so they will um, enjoy the experience rather than the calculations. Um, and they frown upon that so much and make fun of Americans for that. Like, oh, Americans are so excited over the amount of calories they've deducted from their meals. Whereas we are so excited about our art of, you know, the kitchen and, you know, our pride in our terroir, in our local produce. Um, so that's something they definitely frown upon, this excitement over you know, removing calories from a well-known meal. Um, you know, a meal, I, I've said it in so many of my podcast episodes, but I really love the fact that when you guys listen to me saying that, you tell me, I look at my meals a whole different way. The French typically spend two hours over lunch, so you know that. Um, and Americans have lunch very often at their desk. They have a huge salad bowl with every single um, element, every single food mixed in the salad bowl together. Um, and I do believe that the French secret is to sit down with family and friends for a meal and to eat three times a day at regular intervals. Um, not to eat in front of the television, even though Sheila and I do sometimes, and that's like a treat. Um, but even if we do it uh, in front of the television, we have a huge table in front of the television. Uh, it's at the right level, so we don't have to crouch down. So we could still stand straight and, you know, let the the digestive tract kind of digest in a straight line rather, rather than being hunched back and, you know, having food being stuck along the way, if that makes sense. Um but we eat slowly and we enjoy the food, the company. It's very civilized. And so the French really make fun of um, the fact that Americans in general or Brits uh, and other nations like those countries uh, pride themselves into either skipping a meal or eating very little at lunch. Um, even though intermittent fasting is practiced so much in France as a health benefit. Doctors here recommend it and prescribe it 
um, it's still very important that if you have two meals in the day, you sit down for a really long time um, and you enjoy it in a civilized and classy way. Um, so the French really make fun of or frown upon the fact that, you know, in by contrast, by contrast in the UK or the US, um, people eat their meals standing up or, you know, in front of their buildings um, or they go to their friend's, you know, office and eat uh, at the boardroom, you know, table. It, it's all frowned upon and made fun of. And, and they'll call that healthy because they had this huge salad bowl, which at the end of the day is going to give you stomach cramps and probably, you know, probably bloat you to death. Um, like I always say, if I wanted to fucking feed on salad all day, I'd be a fucking cow. Um, and that definitely comes from, you know, French mentality, making fun of, you know, those those nations that look at having a salad for lunch as something healthy. It's absolutely not healthy here. Um, and it's definitely not classy. Eating a salad is not a classy thing. Um, the French really don't, don't get too hung up on dieting. Um, I've never, ever seen a French person performing the calorie or carb, um, you know, calculations um, that demonizes pretty much every single meal. Um, they do enjoy a sensible, sens sensuous, sensual eating. There's a whole, you know, aspect of eating that's so, um, I want to say sexy, if that makes sense. Um, and the whole ceremony of eating, even the way that French people will eat um, their escargot, there's a tool to eat the escargot, which takes skill and time. And there's a way to eat a mussel. Uh, so, for example, um, and it's eaten with fries very often on the sides, uh, but it takes so long because you have to pretty much take an empty mussel shell and use it as a clip. And using that empty mussel shell, as a clip, you're going to go and poke inside the muscle and get the meat from the inside, for example. Um, so they really make fun of the way Americans fork down um, and really don't put that much thought into their utensils, their cutlery, you know, they're, they're sitting at the table. Um, and very often they... I know like you're going to say, well, that's not necessarily something that's healthy. Yes, it is, because very often an American person will say, oh, I'll just have a salad today. I'll just have a soup. That's actually to a French person, the most unhealthy thing someone can do. And if you see someone that, you know, struggling with being overweight uh, and they're eating a salad, a French person will be like, well, that's, you know, the whole problem right there. Not a good life, probably worries, probably um, a very distorted um, digestive system because, you know, feeding on a huge bowl of salad is very stressful to the digestive system. It puts your, you know, gut enzymes to work. Over time, it's very hard to um, digest crudités. So, you know, it, it's, it's all part of it. So... Despite a diet that's stuffed with cream, butter, cheese, meat, um, it's only 10% of French adults that are obese. 
um, compared to America's huge 33%. So that's big. The French live longer. They have a lower death rate from coronary heart disease, um, despite of, you know, the feast of cholesterol and saturated fat they're known to eat. I eat some, not a lot, but I do eat, you know, quite a bit of fat. I have olive oil every day. I have eggs every two to three days. I have bread at, at least one of my meals. Um, and just, you know, bread that I, I cut with my hand and that will be my portion. Everything is in the portion. So I think the takeaway here, the French, what they make the most fun of uh, when it comes to dieting for Americans, Brits, you know, and the, those other nations that practice the art of dieting so much is, um, you know, less calories less carbs, more fibers, so I can have more of it. Um, the French don't believe either in, you know, going less to the gym because you're eating right. They do believe in physical exercise, but very organic physical exercise. There aren't a lot of gyms here in France or in Monaco. Exercising is not something that French women um, obsess about. And ultimately, this is why I created the method. I wanted an exercise that could be something that is not um, an insane grind and something that could be more of an activity that is so effective, but not in its intensity and density, but rather in you know, its results, but it had to be chic and graceful. That's why the movements that you see us do are so beautiful and graceful. Um, it is something that the, the French in general, you know, make fun of. They look at Americans and go like, look at them jumping like monkeys. I'm not saying this myself, so please don't go send me hate mail. I'm just telling you, you know, how the cultural differences uh, make the French look at Americans when they are caring for their health and their wellness and their fitness. Um, you know, they look at it that it's not chic to go sweat uh, when you go spinning and it's not chic to jump around like an idiot and have your boobs sag all the way to your ankles. And it's not chic to, you know, take huge dumbbells that are way heavier for you. Like that's not, you know, it's just not chic. Um so you 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 definitely won't see a woman in France um, exercising to exhaustion. Um, it's all about personal style here. So they know how to not get hung up on dieting. They know how to do the right exercise. Many many French women rely on organic exercise, like things that they could do at home with bands and with small weights and elastics and, you know, the likes. I think that's why Pilates ended up doing really well here for this reason, because it's, it, stays, it stays so graceful and so chic. Uh, women here will take dancing lessons, uh, but no one will grind to death. Um, and so they make so much fun of the way that, uh, you know, in America, there's a gym at like, you know, every 10 steps of the way. And, you know, people are sweating and becoming so red and like their eyes are popping out of their heads. Like they're like, that's so unchic. Um, they 
also don't believe in you know walking around in their exercise workout clothes to go to the juice bar they find that so not chic so ultimately they are on to something um, I speak about this all the time. If you haven't read my article uh, and heard my podcast, both called Are You Wet or Dry? About wet and dry muscles and why doing high intensity, high density, um, high impact workouts will cause you potentially to not lose weight, but gain weight and more likely to do so in your midsection due to high cortisol levels and release of a certain type of estrogen uh, from your aromatase enzymes that will cause bulk. So very often if you are doing, you know, spinning or intervals or anything like that and you're not happy with your results, this will be the reason why. Um, the French are onto something. They're looking at it from uh, a snobbish perspective where it's not chic and it's not beautiful to be sweaty you know when they look at women for example on instagram coming out of the gym priding themselves on the sweat marks on their cute little sports bras and leggings a french person is person is going to be appalled at that um, and they're ultimately right because that means that this girl's cortisol levels um, went you know skyrocketed and this may work for her. She might be really hot or it may have to do with her age and, you know, how well her hormones and, you know, cortisol glands and adrenal glands are handling it. But it is definitely in my professional experience, and I am an experienced and licensed uh, and certified fitness and health professional. It is my experience that 80% of women that ever came to me um, and have worked out so excessively this way when not happy with their results uh, and reported bulk in their muscles they did not like and um, a midsection um, ridden of, you know, excess fat, um, probably for hormonal reasons. So uh, the French are onto something when they feel like, you know, Americans are absolutely ridiculous, you know, going to the gym and grinding so hard that they're becoming so red and so sweaty, eyes popping out of their faces, and, you know. Um, so that's one other myth. Now, when I say this, and I say Americans or Brits or whatever, I am not trying to offend anyone. And you know me, I'm not the kind to be apologetic, but these are myths that I'm um, debunking because ultimately whatever the French observe in other cultures and frown upon when it comes to health, wellness, and fitness and weight loss, they happen to be right. If one thing the French are known for is their style, etiquette, and definitely for being thinner than other nations. So there's no room to be offended here. The truth hurts. I'll give you that and I'll leave it at that. One thing the French pride themselves on, and I have to say that I would credit my French heritage and education and culture um, for all the knowledge I have about health, you know, aside from the certifications and licenses I have in health and fitness um, and physiology, um, is the fact that the French are so very aware of the benefit of 
the benefits, the health benefits in the food that they eat. So much so that there's a joke, and I don't know if you know this, um, but it's a joke um, that the French have about Americans where they say, what's the difference between an American and a pot of yogurt? And the answer is, after a period of time, the yogurt begins to develop cultures. So I know, I know, a little bit offensive. The French do believe that Americans don't have that much culture. I tend to disbelieve that because I am amazed and impressed at the amount of Americans that come here to the south of France every summer. And how these Americans, these fortunate Americans, make it their business to be well-traveled and to, you know, come here and how they share on Instagram um, their new knowledge about, you know, our culture or they go to Capri or they go to Italy. I mean, other parts of Italy and they share all that. So it's probably not as true today, but it was always, you know, something that's the French made fun of that Americans are not so cultured. But if you look at the nuance in in this joke, the difference between an American and a pot of yogurt is after a period of time, the yogurt begins to develop cultures. We're talking about a probiotic here. And I bet you any typical American would not even know about cultures. We're talking about cultures of microbacteria that are good for your gut. Um, and, and I mean, the irony in this is insane if you think about it. Um, it's that the French even have jokes about this because common knowledge comes from a very young age where your mother, my mother would tell me like, okay, you need to eat this yogurt. And she wouldn't even call it a probiotic. She would just say it's good for your gut bacteria. So if you had to have an antibiotic, the first thing the doctor would say is make sure you have a plain yogurt. Or, you know, or goat cheese or fermented cheese. Um, but it's amazing um, that it is actually in a joke as common knowledge that, you know, yogurt as culture. And, and, and going back to that, the French make so much fun um, and frown upon. And actually, some of them feel so sad for Americans and how you know, and even the Brits, how they're so scared of eating bread, whereas here bread is not demonized at all. It is known to be very healthy. Um, A woman who would refuse to eat bread at the table here would be looked at not sexy. Like a woman who refuses dessert here is not going to be sexy. A woman who refuses to, you know, have some cheese. Of course, if you don't like cheese, that's, you know, that's one thing. But who doesn't like bread? Come on. Um, so when we're talking about how well uh, the French are educated about the benefits of their food, and so they frown upon and make fun of Americans and their diet culture and habits of restricting themselves of foods that are so full of benefits, and probably uh, the byproduct of eating them is the reason for French um, slimness. Uh, For example, French baguette today uses the newer method of baker's yeast for leavening, which allowed creations of the elongated shapes of the baguette and the silky texture of the iconic baguette. But, you know, while while these breads are very different uh, from the other breads, the round breads or whatever, they have one um, one common legacy, it's the sourdough starter. 
So the way that the bread was made in the beginning is still made this way and it has sourdough in it. And sourdough, like sauerkraut or kefir, simply kefir, pickles, kombucha, and you know I don't like kombucha, but um, sourdough is fermented and it's fermented by using the lactobacillus cultures, which is a probiotic, aka a bacteria that benefits your gut. So, um, you know, it, and, but the French are not into excess. So, they also will make fun of the fact that if you tell an American or a Brit uh, that eating sourdough bread is healthy for your gut and it's going to act like, you know, um, sauerkraut or kefir or, you know, the horrible probiotic pills that many Americans rely on, um, then they'll make fun of Americans and say, like, watch them just overeat the sourdough bread. That's this overeating that the French will make fun of. They'll be like, you know what? We're so sad for Americans that they're afraid to eat bread because if they only knew that, you know, there are sourdough breads out there. If you go buy real French bread or you make it at home using sourdough, it's going to benefit your gut. In the meantime, if you say that to an American and comes to France or goes to Paris, south of France, is going to start binging on it. And this binging is something that's very grotesque to the French that they make fun of. This thing that if something is good for you if it's or if it's considered healthy or if it's diet, then the American's going to binge. There's no such thing as binging. So it's very funny because there's a double standard in France of what's chic and what's not. It's so not chic or sexy for a woman to refuse to have a bite or two or three. That's why we have the chic bite rule of dessert. It's so not chic for a woman to stay away from bread at a table and not sexy. But it's by the same token, it's very unchic to binge on something just because it's sexy. It, it, it's uh, sorry, because it's healthy. Um, so as far as debunking some myth, I think this is one great one. Um, that makes all the difference in cultures and that will uh, cause the French to make fun of Americans or frown down upon their diet habits or, um, you know, beliefs about diet and, uh, and eating. In all of the myths um, debunked, one thing that the French absolutely hate is the made-up food in America. And uh, an abomination is definitely the cheese. Like the way that Americans have this fat-free cheeses and fake cheeses. Um, the bottom line is, and again, we're going to refer to the fact that, you know, the French is a very educated eater when it comes to the benefits in the food a french person will know to gravitate toward a raw fermented cheese so even if they're lactose intolerant someone who's lactose intolerant most of the time can eat a fermented cheese because it does not have the amount of lactose that a person who's intolerant to eat will require to feel the intolerance you know kicking in if that makes sense uh, so one thing that the french would never eat and frown upon is the fake cheese uh and you know that that's that's sold in America and under the pretense that it's healthier because the fat was removed or it's leaner or whatever you know French person will say like please don't call it cheese give it another name you know uh, but they definitely scorn upon that um all the things that Americans will get so excited about if they can turn their fast foods 
um, into a diet foods. The French will look at it like it's so unchic. To start with, chicken wings. Um, they're not, you know, universally loved. In France, we don't eat uh, chicken wings. Um, and so, for example, breaded chicken wings. Um, I've seen that a lot of people out there have used oats and like um, crushed Gigi crackers to make crispy chicken wings, for example. Well, even though it's, you know, something that might excite so much an American because oh, all of a the sudden they can eat breaded chicken, even though it's not breaded chicken, the French person will never get excited over it because they don't eat breaded chicken to start with. Like they won't never eat a breaded chicken wings. KFC is like not food here. Um, and very often in our mentality here, if we find a crispy chicken wing and we eat it, you'll hear me or Gilles or any French person say, oh my God, I'm going to feel sick tomorrow and I know it. that's not really food. Um, so the fact that you know, Americans will feel so excited um, that they've created a diet product that looks like a fast food, like a crispy chicken wing, using, you know, breaded with Gigi, uh, crushed Gigi's or Gigi crackers or crushed oats or of, any, of some kind, uh, or even like coconut flour or whatever. Um, the French will front upon because it's so not chic and it's not real food. Um, they very often feel nauseous uh, for a couple of hours after eating that if they get their hands on some food like that. And they don't even understand how somebody can eat those or enjoy those. So, um, you know, that that's definitely something that the French front upon. Another thing that the French front upon is um liquid meals and liquid uh, to go they uh first of all they don't like starbucks it's not great coffee it's just okay um they'll have it at the airport for example um and it's very expensive to a french person to have starbucks that's besides point it's not even healthy most of the stuff they put in there uh, i'm not even gonna you know elaborate on starbucks uh but a parisian person would never walk around with their liquid breakfast like even though you will see me take my mug to my office very often I will take my mug empty to the office and I have my coffee machine at the office I'll make my coffee there so very often the French will make fun of you know how um Americans on the go or Brits on the go will do these big smoothies uh, with all these powders inside, you know, with all these questionable benefits and greens and whatever, or these uh, protein shakes on the go and call that breakfast. Like, yeah, I didn't have time to get breakfast, so I grabbed that. It's like so not chic. Anything that's pureed into a mush of a color, um, green or brown or whatever it is, peanut butter taste or, you know, whatever all these shit drinks that people rely on and call that breakfast um the french will definitely definitely front upon that and call that an abomination you know they they tend to we tend to just rely on filling up on real food forms like 
if something in our plate or in, you know, I'm not going to say even in my glass, because short of giving me a food salad, cutting cut, cut in pieces in my, in my glass, anything that's, you know, doesn't look like food, a French person will not rely on for nutrition. Um, so they definitely frown upon and make fun of this smoothie and, you know, shakes generation, calling it a snack or calling it breakfast. Um, speaking of which, the French is not a snacker. Um, the French do not believe in a pre-meal snack um, to offset their appetite. They will, on the contrary, believe in an aperitif to um, an amuse-bouche or a mise-en-bouche, which means open up your appetite. That's that's pretty much what it is. It's it's kind of like open up your taste buds. So very often they rely like on olives and you know a little bit salamis or may, a little bit of salami or escargot or a piece of parmesan cheese with some wine right before they eat um, to kind of open up the taste buds to the delicious meal um, that whoever is cooking in your household is cook, you know has prepared. So the idea of the the diet mind um, offsetting the appetite with a snack is actually called ruining your appetite in France. That's such a huge distinction. So they look at Americans that, you know, before they go to a party or before they have a dinner, they'll have something at home that they deem healthy to offset their appetite as awful. The only time a person, a French person, will eat at home before they go somewhere is because they know where they're going, there will be no food. But they would never eat before going somewhere to get their thing to keep their fingers off of the buffet. They don't look at themselves like animals that don't know how to control themselves when they see food. And they kind of make fun of Americans that will eat before they go somewhere to offset their appetite because they see themselves as animals that will not be able to control themselves from touching the buffet or eating you know, what a gracious host is serving or not trusting what the gracious host is serving because it's not whatever bullshit diet approved that they're on, you know, keto, schmetto, all that bullshit um, and more, not to mention others. Um, yeah, so that's like a huge distinction and they make fun of it or they can either be like really angry about it, the French, when you talk to them about Americans snacking to offset their appetite. Uh, don't tell an American that you're not hungry when you get to the house because you had a broth before you came or you had, you know, um, any type of smoothie or snack to offset your appetite. They'll be very offended. They'll never invite you again. Uh, they will think that you're disrespecting them. You're, disrespect you're disrespecting um the ceremony the ceremony of eating together um and i love that and i do think they're onto something cuz going in, going in with a mentality of offsetting your appetite because you don't feel you can control yourself is definitely awakening the demon in your hormones um more more precisely um your leptin hormone which is your satiation hormone um, neurologically speaking, treating yourself like you're an uncontrollable animal who needs to offset your appetite or eat your huge salad before your meal that someone in your home or even maybe you have prepared um, and wanting to eat something like a salad, a broth or 
you know, a smoothie or anything like that before that meal to offset your appetite pretty much sets you up for a mental and hormonal disaster. Um, and it's definitely going to resonate negatively with your hormones um, and, and your neurosensors um, and receptors. Um, it's definitely, definitely something that, you know, I've seen. And I do believe that this is the reason why the French don't eat with guilt and not eating with guilt takes away so much of the stress that you put on yourself mentally. And this axis, there's definitely a, a mind to hormone axis that, you know, transmits and rises your cortisol levels. And when you rise your cortisol levels, I know I repeat this so much, but I want to remind you that the mindset that you go into is definitely going to, to affect your midsection. Um, so the French are right in that aspect. Don't treat yourself like an animal. Don't upset, offset your appetite so you can control yourself later. It's insane. Uh, remember that the French will eat before they go somewhere. They'll go to, to the to the ballet or they'll go to, you know, an, an opera because they're not sure what time they'll be eating. They're not sure there will be food, um, but they will never, never eat before a meal or have a huge salad. As a matter of fact, the French have the salad on the side while they're eating their main course to aid digestion and absorption of minerals or even better after the main course for better digestion. It's actually so much better for digestion, um, for absor absorption of minerals. It's known to also aid sleep to eat the salad last right before dessert um, and after your main course. And also it's way more respectful to whoever has prepared your meal and to you. Um, the main course is a celebration. Don't forget that. So yeah, Americans really frown upon that for sure. Um, and that mindset of gluttony. I'm going to leave you with some basics that are definitely, you know, going to help you. Acting towards your food with the French snobism is definitely a great tool to achieve health and weight loss as a byproduct of it. Um, the French, we eat chocolate, bread, even foie gras, um, but we don't gain weight in general, because of the small portions, so the size of the plate. Not going with the diet mentality, which we make so much fun of, you know, oh, I made this uh, mac and cheese, which is not real pasta, which is not real cheese, and so the calories, so I'll have a huge portion of it. And they pride themselves, or, you know, I've said it before, making uh, these diet pancakes, so they have a stack the French will never do that because they know that small portions make the stomach happy. They're sexier. A woman that's eating a small portion is way sexier than a woman who eats a big portion. Um, and by that token, the serving sizes uh, and the serving plates make for eating of many food, many real food, um, rather than fake food that you can eat in quantity. So it's really quality versus quantity here. Um, you know, we, we don't really use the fact that, you know, Americans in general have scales and, you know, even apps and calculation tools to track what they eat and calculate what's in them. Um, 
I think we have that mental assessment calculator and scale in our heads um, that all comes down to chic. Really, I mean it. This is really why I called my company Gangster Chic because that's what it comes down to. I don't really, you know, I hate to count. My mother was a forensic accountant and I always told her I would never fucking count anything except for money um, that I can spend or make. So if I wanted to add shit up, I'd be an accountant and I obviously am not an accountant. Um, and that's great for me that I have that French mentality because I don't have to calculate anything. We have an assessment in our head of, you know, what a chic size plate, um, plate size, sorry, portion should be. Um, so for example, regardless of how delicious a cheese is or have how um, low calorie something is going to be, um, I'm probably going to eat only one ounce of it, give or take. Um, we don't know how to incorporate strict limitation at all. We have no idea um, how to limit ourselves. We just assess. We have a mental assessment tool in our head um, that's probably tempered by our notion of what's chic and classy versus what's gaudy and um, glutenish and you know unclassy so for example anything that's like dietish like is going to be unclassy um and anything that's past the size of a salad plate is going to be unclassy um so that's pretty much our way of assessing um you know it it's a great way that's a great tool if i had to say anything instead of dieting just be a food snob that's probably the best way to look at it. And being a food snob would mean gravitate towards food that you think someone chic and classy would eat. Um, but knowing that to a French person, someone on a diet is someone who is on a treatment that's sick. That's, you know, diet in France is something that uh, when you say je suis à la diète, very often means that, you know, something is wrong with you. Someone will say, why did you go for blood tests? And, you know, did, did cholesterol come back wrong? With like, what's happening? Why are you on a diet? Why are you on a restriction? Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a good ass assessment tool rather than having these fucking calculating tools and, and scales and, and shit like that. Um, the idea is to really go for a copious amount of fresh produce um, and enjoy eating as a social activity rather than a sport. Honestly, I find that dieting is exhausting. What I've, I used to, I, I think I finally got rid of that audience that used to send me messages and go, how many calories? But like, how many carbs? Uh, you know, how fattening is in inulin? And, you know, how many calories are in your coffee? now they know better I think I've been so outspoken about that they're almost scared to ask me um it's really it's truly a sport uh, to the point of torture so rather than making eating a sport to you and I heard someone saying that you know eating fiber or whatever is their cardio well fuck that shit eating should never be a sport eating should be a pleasure it should be a social activity 
a time to chill. Um, and I think that's a pretty good idea. You know, it's that's what it boils down to. Um, don't run away from fats. You know, uh, healthy fats are very sexy. So low-fat diets uh, are definitely, the trend of low-fat diets is something that we're laughing about here. A healthy portion of a rib steak is very chic, is very sexy. We know it's healthy. We love to eat food high in fats. Um, but our fats are healthy because they're not processed. Um, and there isn't much in nature that's bad for you. That's the bottom line. That's what I think the French make fun of when, you know, they, they look at nations, they're on low-fat diets. They're on low-fat diets from their processed food. But as a matter of fact, they run away from an avocado more than they run away from their processed food, which to us is crazy. Um, foods rich in unsaturated fats, um, omega-3 fatty acids are such a regular staple in the French diet olive oil, fish, beans, eggs, they're a must-have on a daily basis here. Um, so when we see people that are on like a no fatty acid diet or, you know, are going to ask for like mustard and vinegar in their dressing but no olive oil, we will literally like not be sure whether we should laugh at them or cry for them. Um Trying to swap up fatty acids uh, for substitutes is something that is to us like a very bad Chinatown replica of what would otherwise be a beautiful Birkin Hermes bag, literally. Um, many Americans struggle uh, with being on a schedule to eat and... Very often, they'll skip meals and then overeat at the next one. Um, we have our set time. And the fact that, you know, Americans are unable to sit still to have a meal because they think that their time is more valuable than that of a French person is ridiculous. So... Also, the big breakfast, uh, the breakfast, le petit déjeuner, is literally the small lunch. So it's usually just a tiny little thing in the morning uh, with your coffee, if anything at all. Um, the French make fun of a huge breakfast. We have a huge breakfast on Sundays and we call that brunch. Um, there's a little anka, which is pretty much an in-case uh, Anka in French means in case of. So if in the morning I had my coffee with a cookie because uh, I didn't want to do intermittent fasting and I don't do intermittent fasting every day. I do it every other day or so. Um, you can have an Anka, which is in case I'm hungry. And that would be like berries or another Simply Newland coffee or, you know, something like that. Um, and then it's followed by the largest meal of the day, which is the lunch. Um, it's like not overthinking because we have set times to eat and a certain amount of time to eat, which is a long amount of time to eat. We don't actually overthink meals like dieting, the dieting uh, mentality of 
other nations. Um, and I think it's important to look at it like that. Uh, you know, French, pa French parents, and I do that with my kids, we entice our kids to try all types of food. Um, while a lot of American kids are enticed to eat healthier food than what they usually want to gravitate to. So parents give them make-believe food of what they would otherwise like. So they like white bread and pasta. Um, the Americans are like, you can eat more because it's not as high in calorie as the real thing. A French person will say to their kids, you don't have to eat it all. Just taste it. Um, and children become more ethically diverse eater in the world. And that's what I did with my kids. I wanted them to be ethically diverse eaters, um, like well-traveled e travel eaters. And as a matter of fact, I found that when I started to do that, because I raised them in the United States for part of their lives, and like an American family, I tried to find... Um, solutions and alternatives to foods they wanted so chicken nuggets and pasta and whatever um, here I really introduced them to all types of foods and always told them they don't have to eat it all but taste it and now Dylan will have you know a tuna tartare um, and he will have like you know things he wouldn't usually have uh, when he was growing up in the states and that's really important um, the children here don't have their own menu so it baffles the French that Americans at the restaurant go for the kids menu actually here in the south of France a lot of the restaurants because they're catering to so many tourists here have now children menu but we French people never let our kids eat from the children's menu because it's usually pasta and chicken nuggets and things like that so French people are baffled by the fact that American kids have their own menus um you know we want to give them new cheeses to tantalize their little taste buds um many french children are introduced to the kitchen at an early early age you can see savannah and dakota cook with me adding all types of different things into their foods like they love um pine nuts in their salad they love pomegranate in their salad they love sesame um in their snap pea You know, it's uh, they love their hummus with some ras al hanout, simply the best Moroccan spice. It's really, really important. That's something that you know the Americans make so much fun of with the Ameri with the Americans. The French make fun of with the Americans. Sorry, um, you know, childhood doesn't mean that it's a pass to not be chic or a food snob. And then the emphasis on freshness. French cuisine cannot be undermined if you know anything about me and about my way of cooking is that I go to the supermarket every single day and if I can go Jill goes for me and literally facetimes me and shows me what is fresh today what vegetable I don't decide my menu prior to going to the supermarket I decided while I'm at the supermarket whatever is fresh that day is going to be determining my menu um, so it's really really important I go and I taste the tomato I make sure it's sweet um, you know it's it's so important for us and the fact that you know for us that Americans can eat asparagus all year long or have string beans all year long short of eating it frozen um, it baffles us the fact that they 
the Americans don't have seasonal uh, fruits and vegetables and they have it all year round, we literally know that that shit has been injected with some type of, you know, growth hormone or whatever, because there's no way that they have it all year round, especially with their climate. Um, so that's another thing. And if you want to mimic anything French and you don't want to be made fun of in that sense, um, be a snob. Stick to what is seasonal. And if you don't know or if you don't trust your local supermarket to tell you what is seasonal, because in the States everything seems to be seasonal, then Google it and only shop for that. Um, and going to the farmer's market is very, very French. Um, so yeah, the Americans really make fun of that or look down on that. The fact that, uh, there's no such thing as seasonal fruits and vegetables in the United States. You can have it all, all year long. The fact that the menu, you know, in a restaurant in New York never changes, no matter, um, the season is baffling to, to the French, um, I think that's why many French people have their own vegetable gardens. I have lemons. I don't have yet my vegetable. Um, I'm not into that shit yet. I have an amazing market, not too far. And then we have Italy, not too far also. Um, but we eat meals that are very colorful. Uh, whereas we find that Americans have a very monotone way of eating and tend to eat the same thing over and over again, um, following trends of food as well. So um, while also lunch is the most important meal to us, dinner is a big thing for me because I'm not always with my kids at lunch. Um, Dakota is eating at school most of the week. I'll take her out once or twice a week to eat with me and then send her back to school. Um, but the fact that Americans rely on um, their lunchtime to stay at work And so have these big salad bowls or, you know, prepare some boiled eggs with, um, that they bring from home with them with veggies or avocado or whatever um, is something they definitely look down on. And, you know, it's something between pity and making fun of that the French have towards um, that diet mentality. Um It's really interesting, the difference when comparing the French perception of food to Americans. We all want to stay healthy, so why not try the French way? What could be easier than getting healthier through good food and great company? How do you do that? Become a snob. Ask yourself if it's chic. Diet shit is not chic. Fake food is not chic. Eating a lot under the pretense or the belief that it's low calorie is not chic. As a matter of fact, wondering about the calories or trying to lower the calories or amputate the good fat out of something is not chic. So my advice to you is to become a food snob. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, I think I went a little bit over time. I hope no one got offended. I just shared with you my knowledge of two cultures I know very well. I want to remind you, if you choose to be offended, that it is a choice, but it was not my intention. I want to remind you that I'm both French and American, so I can speak for both cultures. Um, 
And on this note, let me update you a little bit on Simply Gangster Chic products. Simply Inulin has a brand new, gorgeous, gorgeous packaging um, that you can see on my Instagram. We have yet to change the pictures on the website. We're going to do it this week. Uh, but in any case, if you are doing Simply Inulin right now, you'll be getting the brand new packaging and it is absolutely stunning and wonderful to give us a holiday gift. Um, we have launched a few months ago the Simply Call Eyeliner. Uh, why am I talking to you about that? Because this eyeliner, and I have to update that on um, the website, we haven't advertised it, but we spoke about it when we had Ifra Ahmed, um, who is this humanitarian who rallies against female mutilation, genital mutilation. We had promised to give some of the proceeds of Simply Call um, to IFRA Foundation and we are doing so this month. So since we've launched it, we're going to give part of our proceeds to IFRA Foundation uh, to help in her raising awareness against uh, female genital mutilation all around the world, even in countries as civilized as the United States and France. Yes, it's happening everywhere. Uh, and Simply Call is absolutely amazing. I'm able to talk about it now from a different standpoint than just mine because so many of you have received it and absolutely loved it. Um, so we are going to put the link on the show notes. If you want to go check it out, there's also a video of how I apply it and how amazingly therapeutic it is for the eyes. Uh, what else can I tell you? We are um, actually preparing for our retreat, which is coming up in March, end of March, March 31st to April 6th. We have some great stuff coming up. I think there's one spot left at this time. And that is only because the hotel has agreed to give us one more room. Um, and this uh, is at the Grand Hotel du Cap Ferrat, which is the, one of the most iconic hotels in the world and the most iconic hotel in the south of France. Uh, you can check that out in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, we have so much coming up at that retreat. Last year's retreat was an absolute success. This year is going to be even better. I've organized so many amazing things. APM Monaco, which is my favorite, favorite jewelry uh, store with my favorite collections. You probably have seen me with so many of their pieces. Um, my bracelets, the method, the body, the mind um, customized with stones is from APM. Many of my rings, many of my earrings, uh, they are going to come and do a pop-up shop for us and I am going to curate the collection for the retreat. We also have another amazing surprise with one of our authorized retailer, Bikini Junkie, who is... Um, pretty much creating a collection that I'm curating of bikinis uh, for a guest and then we'll make some of those available for those of you that cannot attend the retreat you'll find those on our website at that time uh, we're working on it right now she's working on it right now and she's absolutely amazing um, they will be bikinis and one pieces for women that don't feel comfortable showing off their gorgeous tummies um, and flat tummies with inulin and abs with the method um, but that's a question of choice and I find that the one piece is absolutely gorgeous as well and very sexy I love wearing them as well so we'll have both options and we'll be gifting them to our guests and have the collection available for purchase for those of you that cannot attend uh, what else can I tell you there is so much that has been happening but I've 
kept you posted at the beginning of the podcast. We are shipping faster than ever. My team has expanded and we are now no longer delayed in our shipment. So if you've experienced really long waits to get uh, your Simply in Yulin, it's just gotten shorter. If you just ordered now in November, you're probably not waiting as long as you've waited in the past. Although remember that we are in Monaco and your products have to cross the Atlantic Ocean for most of you, I mean, we've had, we have so many of you all over the world. Um, it has to cross all kinds of oceans, actually, uh, to make its way to you. Uh, so remember, that takes a little time. But on our part, our processing is tremendously shorter. Uh, and I'm so, so excited about that. Nothing makes me happier than uh, to have you have your hands on my products um, sooner than later. So we've been listening. We've been working hard and uh we've been training uh ourselves and our new employees to make sure that we can give you the best service possible uh you can work out with me on the virtual platform there are going to be three new releases because we've had some technical difficulty releasing new releases on the virtual platform uh there are already six videos whether you are starting the method or you've been doing it for quite a while, all of them are absolutely effective um, and very, very, um, I want to say not advanced because there are no levels with the method, the same way that there is no ego. Um, but at any level, you're still progressing with any of those videos. So if you have been doing the method for a year and a half and you go back to the basic one, you will find it harder than any other video because of the way you are now um, you are now um, executing. Um, but that being said, there are three new releases coming to make up for uh, the amount of time that we haven't been able to release a new one. Um, and I hope you will love those and we will leave the other six as bonuses. So there will be a total of nine new video of nine videos, uh, that you can rely on for your workouts. If you wish to work out with me and you don't know anything about the virtual platform, you can go on the website by visiting the show notes right here on the podcast and clicking virtual platform. Um, there will be a link. What else can I tell you? I think that's pretty much it. Feel free to send me messages on Instagram. You can also send me a voice message on Anchor, which is our hosting platform for this podcast. Um, you can go on Anchor. The link is in the show notes and leave a voice message that I may feature and answer your question um, on, on the next episode. Um, that being said, I have some amazing future episodes coming up I'm working on. If you have any questions, concerned, thoughts about any of this, feel free to share them with me. I try to answer all of my private messages on Instagram. Um, the only thing I don't do is, you know, answer questions about specific orders on Instagram. We have amazing customer service that's there for that. They've been so responsive. So short of asking me about your orders and whether it's shipped or, you know, about the tracking number, I answer every single question, even the nasty ones. On that note, I wish you a beautiful day wherever you are from gorgeous, sunny Monaco. Bisous, bisous from Monaco.